our nerves? Would you settle our chaos? Would you take our worries? Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Our text tonight comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 27 through 30. This is right in the middle of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And so we pick up in verse 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. I'll say, bless the Lord, if you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. John Owen, the Puritan preacher, had the phrase, be killing sin or it will be killing you. Um, We're not afraid of sin or sinners, and we're not afraid to talk about sin. Um, I know sometimes that word can go out of vogue, but basically it just means this. Jesus doesn't want you to destroy your life. That's what sin is, okay? He's designed it. He knows how human beings flourish, and he's given us ways in which we can discover true intimacy, joy, and satisfaction. Um, And so tonight, I just want to make you aware, let's put this in context. Um, There's a war going on, and many of you are not aware of it. Some of you are probably losing it, and most of you are probably aiding and abetting the enemy, and you're not aware of it. That's Ephesians chapter 6, by the way, that we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and rulers in dark places. And every sin has a power attached to it. And it's coming after your soul. So I just want to make that abundantly clear as we begin to step in tonight's discussion. Um, There are some stats that I want to share with you just to kind of frame the discussion. Uh, I I want to talk honestly and openly uh, about this. The text that Jacoby just read um, out of Matthew chapter 5, we did that not too long ago in a series called Five, Five Memorable Teachings of Jesus We Would Rather Forget. And so if you want a general interpretation of that text and a high-level view of lust and what it looks like, you can go back and watch that online. But tonight, I'm going to dig down pastorally uh, into an incredibly complex and convoluted issue, and we're going to talk openly and honestly about it. Um, For those of you... Uh, who have encountered it, you're going to need to hear what I have to say. For those of you who have not encountered this, then I want you to recognize it for what it is when you do. It is an apple by a different name. And we're going to bring that apple out into the light, and I'm going to show you how rotten, how corroded it is, and how infested with worms that it actually is. And for those of us who are blissfully unaware, let me divest you of that ignorance. Um... At age 11 right now is the average age that a child has already been exposed to explicit pornography and content through the internet. 
93% of boys and 62% of girls are exposed to internet-based pornography during their adolescent years. In 2016, people watched 4.6 billion hours of pornography at just one website. Just so we're clear, that's 524,000 years of porn in one year, or if you will, around 17,000 complete lifetimes were burnt up watching it. 96% of young adults, hey guys, are either encouraging, accepting, or neutral in their view towards pornography. Only 1 in 20 young adults says their friends consider porn a bad thing. 61% of pornography is watched on a mobile phone. We'll get to that later. In the United States, it's as high as 70. Today, 33% of women aged 25 and under go searching for porn on the internet at least once per month. 80% of porn users feel no sense of guilt while using porn. Porn is global estimated a $97 billion industry, with about $12 billion of that coming from the U.S. Uh, just to put that, that's more revenue than all of the major sports teams combined. Um, Maybe this will help it better understand it. Porn sites receive more regular traffic than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined each month. And that's just the ones I wanted to share with you. There's plenty more. Two gospel reminders before we jump in, and then two types of people I need to talk to in the room. The first gospel reminder is simply this God created you for joy intimacy and connection that's part of your imago day sex is an expression of that intimacy but it is not the sole capacitor for receiving joy intimacy and satisfaction i know that it has been misused and abused but Christians should have the healthiest view on sexuality. Philip Yancey says it this way in his book, Rumors, on page 73. Possibly the greatest failure I know among Christians is their view on sexuality. Outside of the church, people view God as the spoil sport of human sexuality, not its inventor. And so I think we need to be able to have an open and honest conversation about what God has given us. Second thing. This is difficult, and I know it is. No matter how you slice and dice the Greek and Hebrew original language and culture, there is no way around historically and biblically the Christian sexual ethic is this, it is reserved for between a man and a woman in a covenant relationship called marriage. I don't care where you identify yourself on the sexuality spectrum, that's difficult for everyone. It's a challenging ethic, is it not? Gospel reminder, I believe Jesus Christ was the smartest man who walked planet earth. And I believe he was full of joy and intimacy and connection with the Father and his friends. Gospel reminder, he was a 30-year-old single celibate man who was homeless. 
Jesus has gone before us and made a way. He is not a high priest who cannot sympathize with us in our weakness. He was tempted in every way that we were tempted and yet remained sinless. Two people in the room that I need to address before we get started too as well. And that is simply those of you in the room who don't take your sin seriously enough. It's kind of this cheap grace. And yeah, you know, Christian morality, the Bible's kind of outdated, right? God forgives us all. It's all different pathways to God. It really doesn't really matter what you call it. And let's just stop this old time religion and morality. You know, really that's, we're modern and we're enlightened. We don't really consider that stuff sin still, do we? Bad news for you is that I've been in Ezekiel in my quiet times. Um, And so Ezekiel's this prophet in the Old Testament. And there's a bunch of judgment about to come to the house of Israel. Because they don't think sin's a big deal. And he's about to light them up like a Christmas tree. And here it comes. This is what God says. The master says, clap your hands and stamp your feet and yell, no, no, no. Because of the evil obscenities rife in Israel. They're going to be killed, dying of hunger, dying of disease, death everywhere you look. People dropping like flies, people far away dying, people nearby dying, and whoever's left in the city will be starving to death. Why? Because I'm angry. I'm furiously angry. They'll realize that I'm God. And when they see their people's corpses strewn all over their ruined sex and religious shrines on the bare hills and the lush fertility groves and all the places where they indulged in their sensual rites, I will bring down my hand hard on them, demolish the country wherever they live, turn it into a wasteland from one end to the other, from the wilderness of Ribalah. Then they will know that I am God. Now, you keep reading Ezekiel, and there's also words of redemption and hope and forgiveness. But for the people who don't think their sin is a big deal, God has to have some really, really strong language. Now, for the others of you in the room, your sin's too big of a deal. You live in guilt and shame and condemnation, and that's not what Christ Jesus set you free from. You don't think the blood of Jesus is enough for you. You think it counts for everyone else but your sin. It's for freedom that Christ set you free. And God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were right, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So why do you think that you have to prove it now? Just live in response to that. He's kinder and more tender than you know for those of you who are living under fear and condemnation. Fear has to do with punishment. Perfect love casts out all fear. We all on the same page? Good. Let's dive in then. Here's... Four things, all right? Um, For those of you, if you're walking through it, chances are you got a friend who's walking through it. Chances are that friend is you. But anyway, if you're going to have an opportunity to be able, when this comes to light and confession in community, someone who's given a foothold to pornography and the bear trap is clamped around their soul and they realize I can't fight it alone anymore and my only hope is to bring it into the light of Jesus and underneath his love and his jurisdiction. Here are some game plan battle tactics for us. Number one, repair the breach. Repair the breach. Isaiah 58 says this, 
You will build up the desert ruins. Then you will be known as the rebuilder of walls, the repairs of the breach, the restorer of homes. A breach is merely a hole in the wall. And what the Isaiah is giving uh, his audience is a cultural reality. And that is if your wall has a hole in it, the enemy can come in anytime he wants to. Your homes are not safe. Why are you worried about other things if your walls were not fortified? We've got to find, where is this stuff leaking in? Can I talk to you as a pastor right now? Okay, this is just Chris. This is not the Lord. All right? 70% of it comes in on mobile devices. You're getting it through the internet. Get a freaking flip phone. (laughs) Repair the breach. Seriously. If I'm about to interpret what Jesus is saying is it's better for you to go into heaven and be internetly inconvenienced than to go to hell with your smartphone. Repair the breach. Where is it coming in and build the wall back up? Stop it, honestly. I, I don't have any more patience for it. I have all the love and sympathy for those of you who are struggling with your sexuality and especially pornography. Believe me, I get it. And I need men and women to rise back up and act like we have resurrection power and the ability to repair the breach. Wherever it's coming through, let's push it back. Man, I feel like we need a little bit of Shakespeare up in here, right? It's Henry V's play. Once more unto the breach, dear friends, once more. Let us go close the wall with the British dead in peacetime. It is more noble for a man to be modest and humble. But when the war of wind blows in our ears, imitate the tiger. What is he saying there? What he's saying is, man, get the eye of the tiger back, Rock. You've lost it. You've lost your fight. You're entitled. You're lazy. You're rich. You're apathetic. And you think you deserve all that stuff. And it's killing you. You forgot what it looks like to fight for your intimacy, your joy, and your satisfaction in pure, satisfying, eternal ways. I'll tell you what I'm done with. I'm done with little Christian kittens lazily lapping up the poison of pornography and then crying that God won't take away their sin. I want tigers. I want lions. I want men and women to rise up and go, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. The very least I could do is get some internet accountability software. Pray for me. Uh, I'm, uh, yeah. Repair the breach. Number two, rip up the roots. Audrey and I lived in Tuscaloosa, and we had a backyard, and it was awesome. It was like an acre. I was a man, and I tamed that jungle. (laughs) We hooked up a chain to a suburban, yanked trees out, dug things up. We, We cultivated that place. It was awesome. And then I started getting grass, and my transformation to a suburban metrosexual was complete because I just thought, look at that grass. It's amazing. But then, like, these little weeds and shoots would start growing up, and I'd, like, trim them, 
They'd keep coming back up. Sometimes I'd pull them up. They'd come back up. There was this one pesky little one that just it kept growing, popping up, popping up, popping up. And every time I go to pull them up, they just like break off at the tip. And you're just like, man, what, what the heck? Well, one day I just got angry, like, you're ruining my lawn. So I dig my hands deep down in a circle. A sur- uh, it's soil, Marty. Thanks. Appreciate your patience. <laughs> Grab it and yank it like this. I just do a deadlift, a cleaning snatch, crossfitters. And all of a sudden, up comes this corded vine that rips up about five feet. And I'm like, what do we have here? And I start pulling it, and I'm walking, and it's ripping through my beautiful grass, but by this time I'm just angry, and I'm already committed. I probably wind 25 feet around the grass, come to this place right next to a pine tree. By this time, I've got it wrapped around like this. And I'm like, oh, no, you ain't going nowhere now. Get right in there and pull with all my might, and probably six to eight feet of tangled roots comes up. Hey, when we're talking about porn, I'm not talking about just trimming the weeds. I don't care what your drug of choice is. Let's get to the root and rip it up. Somewhere back there is a longing that only God could satisfy, is a wounding that only God can heal. Right now, I got a buddy who's probably strung out on meth, and it's got nothing to do with meth. It's got everything to do with something back here in the roots. It just happens to be his drug of choice right now. Whatever your lusting or your sin or your favorite sin is, it's got really nothing probably to do with that. It's got its roots way back here. And once you repair the breach, get to the root. Understand that Jesus wants to heal and redeem that longing. Repair the breach, rip it up at the roots, and then you need to rebuild your life on a firm foundation. Matthew chapter 7 talks about that, right? You guys know what this is like. Wise man and a foolish man. One builds his house on the sand, the other on the rock. You guys know how to take years of your life and build it on lies and sin, only to watch it come crashing down. It's okay. The Lord's patient and loving and forgiving. He picks us up out of the mud and the mire and he sets our feet on the solid rock. And it's time to start rebuilding your life on his promises, not the enemy's lies. Then, maybe Joel 5.25 will come ringing in your ears. He will restore the years the locusts have eaten. Even if we partnered with the plague in the first place. He'll restore it. He makes all things new. Repair the breach, rip it up at the roots, rebuild the firm foundation, and then finally, rinse and repeat. I wish it was a one-time deal, don't you? I wish it was that easy that we could take care of it in four steps in four days. If you can, thanks be to God, come pray for me. I could use it. I would love for to see the Lord do unbelievable, miraculous things in and through us. And I believe he does those things. But I also think he takes us on a long journey of obedience in the same direction. And he lets us walk the long way around the wilderness before he lets us enter into the promised land to kill some things off in us so that we could actually cultivate the land once that we get it 
Ephesians 5.26 says that we've been washed clean by the water of the word, and absolutely that is a once, time, and for all thing dealing with our justification, but guess what? It's ongoing for our sanctification. We continue to need the word to wash us clean and rinse us. He's going to present us holy and spotless without any blemish or any such thing, but we're really good at getting dirty again, aren't we? Thanks be to God, we have a Jesus who welcomes us again and again. And his grace and his mercy, it covers it all. And then he says we can present our bodies. What would it be like to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable act of worship, and be transformed by the renewing of your mind? I don't know about you, but that's a rinse and repeat for me. Because here's what I don't even have time to go into. And that's the biology and scientific studies that just confirm what God's words say. The PET scans of your brain when you have someone on heroin, cocaine, and watching porn. Identical. I don't have time to talk about the dendrites that grow up to suck down the dopamine chemicals that are released. And how more and more of those grow up. And then when you actually go cold turkey and get off it, they shrivel up and die and you go through detox and withdrawal. I don't have time to talk about all that. But I do know this. That science backs up what scripture says. Your brain can form new pathways and think a different way. By the grace and mercy of Jesus, it's possible to repent and believe the kingdom of God is at hand. But it'll take time. And in God's timing. All right. Let me see if I can bring it back up. Are we okay? Let me, let's decompress for a second. Are we good? Are we going to have some honest conversations tonight? Our chain's going to break off. Secrecy and the suffocating shame going to evaporate. Breathe oxygen of the gospel for the first time in a long time. Don't carry it around. It's dark and it's heavy. It doesn't define you. It does not define you. It does not disqualify you. The consequences of sin are different, but the price is the same, and Jesus paid it. In full. Probably about 15 years ago, I graduated seminary, and as a graduation gift, uh, my wife gave me three awesome gifts. One was I could get another tattoo. Yay, thanks. <laughs> Two was I could go on a three-day silent retreat. And three, she gave me the gift of you can now pay back those student loans. So I deferred on number three and went straight to number two, which was great. And I took off. I graduated in December's. Actually, I came somewhere here in the hills of Tennessee. Um, someone told me where to go. I got lost and just went, oh, this looks great. Um, and so I had somebody's camping gear. Now, I am an extremist, and I'm not recommending any of this. I'm just trying to lay some humility down here, okay? I, at the time, I was on two medications. I did not consult my doctor. I decided it was to go off cold turkey, all right? I also decided I'm going to fast for the first time for three days while it's December outside and freezing cold. Sounds great, Chris. Awesome. <laughs> Headaches were glorious. Froze to death. Had one of those mummy suitcases where it was just this at night going, Jesus, you can come back now. <laughs> I, I really, I, you, do you know that I'm God's favorite? I don't know if it, <laughs> I honestly, he has my picture on his fridge. And I, I think he tells wonderful stories about my effort. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So I'm on a silent retreat, man, and I don't want to learn anything. I don't want to do anything. I want to go in the woods and be alone with my father. The woods are a spiritual pathway for me. It makes me feel small and loved at the same time. And there was plenty of time of just letting the hamster die that's been running on the wheel for so fast for four years, right? Just kill that rodent, all right? Get off. I'm done with you. Well, then there was one special moment. I was hiking and came out across the ridge and it was down in the valley and up and it was just breathtaking. And all of a sudden, I'm blown away at the beauty that I see before me. And my heart starts racing and I connect it with God. And we're having this moment where, once again, I feel small, but I feel incredibly loved in that moment. And it lasted about three seconds. And then the next thought in my mind was, you need to have a piece of property like this one day. You've got to build a house. You've got to have woods of your own so that you can possess this beauty and access it any time that you want. Before I realized it, it was 15 minutes later, and I'm coming up with a career path and strategy and savings plan so that I can have property like this one day. And I just sensed the Holy Spirit whisper to me, hey, Chris, how come every time you see beauty, you have to possess it? What is it about the old inclinations of my heart that as soon as it's moved or is excited, clamps down and says, mine. And I want to hold you, and I want to hoard you, and I'm going to keep you so that whenever I need you again, you're at my beck and call. What does it look like to open up your life in the kingdom of God? And go, Jesus, you've made all things beautiful in their time. And when I get to participate in that, I will praise your name. And when I don't, I will long for the day that I get to. Desire is not the enemy. But you have an enemy who wants to control your desires. Longing is not the enemy. What would it look like if we took our longings and connected them to a God who longs to connect to you? Amen. So let's take 120 seconds and let's listen and pray and process and then we'll sing. I'm going to ask you a question, but before I do that, if, if this talk was for you tonight and you need a next step, we're going to put some of those slides up there of what you can do. These are resources that immediately you can grab that will start pointing you in the right direction. And do not let anything stand in between you and getting the help and healing you need. We're gonna move from lust to longing. I pray that in the next couple minutes, future families are saved because of the work that you decide to do. And for some of us, I'd just like to simply ask you this. What do you long for?
What is your God-given longing that you've disconnected from him and you've run and tried to satisfy it in a thousand different ways with a thousand different people and a thousand different sins? What is that longing? God, I want and connect it to him. And then ask him to reveal all the ways that your lust has sought to possess it, clench it, hold it, control it, and hoard it. And as you're ready, turn and release it to the Lord. Connect your longings to a God who longs to connect to you.